As we continue our sermon series revealed, our focus for today is found in Mark chapter 1. As soon as they left the synagogue, they went with James and John to the home of Simon and Andrew. Simon's mother-in-law was in bed with a fever, and they told Jesus about her. So he went to her, took her hand, and helped her up. The fever left her, and she began to wait on them. That evening after sunset, the people brought to Jesus all the sick and demon-possessed. The whole town gathered at the door, and Jesus healed many who had various diseases. He also drove out many demons, but he would not let the demons speak because they knew who he was. Very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house, and went off to a solitary place where he prayed. Simon and his companions went to look for him, and when they found him, they ex exclaimed, Everyone is looking for you. Jesus replied, Let us go somewhere else, to the nearby villages, so I can preach there also. That is why I have come. So he traveled throughout Galilee, preaching in their synagogues and driving out demons. Thank you. This is the word of the Lord. You may be seated. Good morning, everyone. Today we're talking about secrets. And uh, it re I recalled when I began my ministry, one time one of the older members of the congregation uh, came to me and said, Pastor, I've got a secret. And this was a man who was in his 80s. He says, you know, I've been alone. My wife died about 20 years ago. Uh, but here, I've got a secret for you. I've found somebody. And I love her, and she loves me, and we want to get married. And I says, well, that's, that's fantastic. I bet your family, I bet your kids and your grandkids are so excited. And that's when he put up the shh. <laughs> For now, it's a secret. We don't want to tell them until after we're married. And I looked at him, and I, you know, I met with him a few times, and, and uh, you know, I was a little uncomfortable with all that. But uh, anyway, they got married, and they went on a short honeymoon, and then they called both families together, and they let the secret out. We're married. And both families were, were so supportive, so happy. They were hugging each other, and they were clapping and giving congratulations. It all worked out well. The secret came out. Friends, that's a little bit what we have here in our gospel reading for today, a sign for this Sunday uh, in the Gospel of Mark. We talk about the messianic secret. There were times in our Lord's ministry when he chose to tell people, don't say anything. And in fact, last week, we, we had a man who was possessed by a demon. And the demon said that he knew who Jesus was, and that's when Jesus said, be quiet, and in Greek, it says he muzzled the demon so that he could not speak, so that it would remain. He did not want the demon to be the first one to, to confess Jesus as the true God. And then here in our gospel reading that you just heard just a few minutes ago, Jesus is called to the home of Simon, later Peter. And Simon's wife's mother, that would make his mother-in-law, was ill. And it says that Jesus was called in. He took her by the hand. He raised her up. She was immediately healed. He stayed at the house, and evidently word got out, because then when they opened the front door, the whole town was there with all of their sick, with all of uh, the, the people who were suffering from demon possession. And it says that Jesus healed many of them, not all of them, but many of them. And the demons that he healed, it says they knew again who he was, 
and he commanded them to be quiet. They could not speak. He wanted it to be a secret. This is also true in the other Gospels. There were times when the disciples were with Jesus, like at the Mount of Transfiguration, and they saw all the power, all the glory of Jesus, and Jesus said, shh, don't tell anyone. Let's keep it a secret. And so we, we ask ourselves, well, what's going on here? Why, why the secret? Why, why did he command the demons not to talk and to confess him? Why did he tell the disciples at times not to say anything about who why did he do this? Well, it all comes back to the purpose why he came. You know, Jesus loved people, and he had compassion for those who were sick and those who were demon-possessed. But the main mission that the Father sent him to do, to perform, was to reconcile God's people from their sins, to bring them back into a relationship with God. And that would only take place through a cross through his death and his resurrection. And so all these diversions to, to, to be a, the wonderful miracle worker in John chapter 6, to be the bread king when he would feed thousands of people, the, the temptation of the devil to jump down from the highest pinnacle of the temple and your angels will, will catch you and then everyone will laud you and make you the kind of earthly king that we want Jesus to be. But Jesus says, no, that's not why I came. And so that's why we have what's called the messianic secret. You know, the temptation for even us today is to make Jesus into what we call a gimme God. You know what a gimme God is? Lord, gimme this, gimme that. And our thoughts and our prayers and our focus is always is on the here and now. And it's okay. We can talk to the Lord about anything. We can talk to him about our jobs. We can talk to him about our illnesses. We can talk to him about our loved ones and our concern for them. And Jesus invites us to do, he says, cast all your cares on me because I care for you. And yet there's a deeper purpose, isn't there? And that purpose is that you would be healed for eternity, that your soul would be right with God. And so that all goes back then to why this secrecy, because God has a greater purpose secret. We, you know, when we talk about the secret, another reason for the secret is that Jesus needed more time here on this earth. If things would have got out here early in his ministry about his power and, and his glory and, and these wonderful miracles that he did, if everyone would, would have known about that, perhaps the religious people would have killed him earlier. And he would have not had time to spend three years with his disciples, and with his other followers. He would not have the time then to set forth patterns for our living that we could catch on to because we have recorded in the Gospels. And so Jesus here is another reason why he is secret is to set forth a pattern in his life that we can follow. Immediately after the uh, whole town shows up and Jesus heals many and casts out demons, Jesus demonstrates a very strong pattern for us in our spiritual lives. It starts out then in Mark chapter 1, verse 35. It says, very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up and he left the house and he went off to a solitary place where he prayed. Jesus often did this. He would leave 
And he would go off, it says, to a sol- You know what a solitary place is? A solitary place means that he was away from people. He was away from busyness. He was away from the demands that were on his time to heal. And, and again, he loved people, but he needed time with his heavenly father. And what did he do when he spent time with his father? Look at the pattern. What did he do? He prayed. He prayed. And during that time of prayer, Jesus would have received strength for his priority, which was to proclaim at this time the kingdom of God. It seems as though Jesus preferred the smaller, the quiet times. He he preferred the times when he was with his heavenly father in prayer, when it was just him alone. And sometimes it was up on top of a mountain. Sometimes it was other places. But Jesus sets this pattern. And, And friends, I ask you, if Jesus needed to be alone with his father, if he needed time with his father to receive strength, what do you think that means for us? What do you think that means in our pattern of living as a child of God? Here's the point. We can do better. I'm guessing that when it comes to a solitary time, a quiet time with God, that you struggle with this. I think all of us do. And you say, well, how, you know, Jesus made this a priority. He didn't have a, a computer in his pocket, did he? He didn't have a Super Bowl to watch or parties to attend. He didn't have spring break. He didn't have to shovel his driveway or, or whatever, you know, the sidewalks. He didn't have to go to school. He didn't do all the things that we have to do. And so, so it was easy for Jesus. And yet Jesus had so many demands on him. It says the whole town came out to him. And yet he took time. When it comes to our lives, it's a rare and unsettling feeling for me, I have to confess this, to stop doing. I'm a doer. Just stop doing and just to be. And to be with the Father in heaven. Uh, it's, it's challenging. It's, it goes, it's countercultural to us. More often than that, we find so many things to squeeze the Lord out of our lives, and we just get so busy, and we have so many priorities, and yet look at the pattern. Jesus went off to a solitary place where he prayed. Friends, we can find clarity in silence, and when you choose to spend a time with God and I think it's better in the morning than at night or other times. It can be life-changing. It brings clarity to our lives. I always go back to Psalm 46, verse 10, where, where the psalmist says, Be still and know that I am God. What does it mean to be still? It means to be quiet. It means to be away from the busyness of our lives. It means to call time out in all the things that we have. And that's so difficult to do because our minds are always racing. And yet be still. And when we are still... We can know that he's God, that he's the one who made you unique. He's the one that loves you the way that you are. He's the one then that gave his life for you on the cross of Calvary and rose again. And you can know that he is God. And at the heart of it all, we have a desire. We we know that God has a desire to have a relationship with us. And that as we spend time with him, we, we learn to know him better. He guides us through his word as we read that word and then we respond in a life of prayer and praise. It's all about this relationship with God. 
That's the pattern that Jesus sets. But that's not the end of it either. Jesus kind of keeps the secret here in Mark so that he has time, yes, to have time with his father and to teach that. But then look what else happens. Our text tells us that Simon and the others go looking for Jesus and they find him. And they say to him, everyone's looking for you, Jesus. And that's when Jesus says, let's go. Let's go somewhere else. Let's go to the near so I can preach there also because that's why I have come. And so the pattern that we see from Jesus is first of all, he made sure this relationship was right with his father. And then after that was right, he went out and he fulfilled the purpose that God had sent him for. That he went out and he proclaimed the kingdom of God. He talked about forgiveness, that which blocks us off from God. He talked about repairing that relationship by grace through faith. Jesus was all about preaching and proclaiming, and he says, that's why I've come. And you know, from this, Jesus again sets the model for us, for those of us who've been baptized into the family of God who know the grace of God, the Father who made us, the Son who redeemed us, the Holy Spirit who comes into our hearts and empowers us then to go out. The pattern is... You know, while this is somewhat of a secret in the Gospel of Mark, it doesn't remain a secret. We know the rest of the story. Jesus went to the cross. He died for our sins. He rose again on the third day. He defeated Satan and sin and death. He ascended into heaven so that he could be with us everywhere. And just before he ascended into heaven, in the last chapter of Mark, he says these words. He says, now you go. Go into all the world and preach the good news to all creation. For whoever believes and is baptized shall be saved. It's not a secret anymore, is it? And while it was somewhat secretive here at the beginning of the Gospel of Mark, the secret is out, that Jesus is our Redeemer, that He's the one who paid the price for our sins. And now we are called to, to be part of the mission that He has given. We are the mission. We are the ones who then who are called to go. Let's go, says Jesus, and that's us. We are the, the, the mantle of of grace has been placed on us so that we can share it with others. But let's be honest. You know, in our society today, more, more so than any other time when I have lived, our Christian faith is seen in the media, it's seen in our culture as a polarizing event. When people know that you are a Christian, they assume that you're very judgmental. They assume that you live by a list of rules. You do this, you don't do that. People assume that you won't like anyone who's not like you. And yet, when Jesus says, go, he calls us to be his representatives here on this earth. And he calls us to be the ones who share faith. And, and I, I, I've asked this question, could it be because it's such a polarizing event that we are afraid now to talk about our faith? Could it be that we avoid that subject at any cost? And can that, would that be a reason why the Christian church in the United States is declining? 
I was able to go to our large church conference of the uh, Lutheran Church of Missouri Synod, and there when pastors got together, you know, it's one of the topics of discussion. Why is it that our churches are shrinking? Why is it that there are less baptisms? Why is it that our attendance is, is going down? And, and that happened, has happened for many, many churches. And the answer, the, one of the official answers of our church body is the reason that our church is declining is because you all aren't having enough kids, okay? <laughs> you got you to be fruitful and multiply there, folks, you know? And that's one way to grow a church. But that's not the pattern that we see here from Jesus. First, we spend time with the Lord and we make sure that we have that relationship with Him that is grounded in His grace. But then He calls us to go. And we go beyond just having children. He calls us to go and share our faith. To go to the entire world. Be my witnesses, Jesus says. And as difficult as that is, and as hard as that is, and polarizing as it is in our culture today, one of the things that I found is that no one can argue with you when you tell your story. You know, we all have a story. I have a story. You have a story. When you're talking with someone, you don't have to talk about what they should be doing or they shouldn't be doing. But you can share with them what you found to be true. You can share the fact that God, even though He knows me perfectly, He loves me still the same. I can share the difference that Christ has made in my life to know that even though I strive for all the things of this world, and I have a job, and I have a family, and I want to take vacations, and I want to do all these things, the most important thing in my life is my relationship with my Lord. And that as I seek Him first, all the other things in my life, the Bible says, and that I found to be true, will be given unto you. You have the opportunity to, sh I have the opportunity to share my story. That in the midst of, of all the turmoil that we experience in our society and in our world, that I have a peace that passes understanding to know that my relationship with God is right and that He has an eternity in store for me with Him. To know that nothing can separate me from His grace and it assures me that I have a direction and a purpose in my life that nothing in this world can give to me. Who's going to argue when you share that story? They may not agree with you, but at least you've shared the hope that you have in Jesus. And that's the calling that we have. That's the pattern that Jesus sets before us. And friends, it's not a secret anymore. Reminds me of a, a children's message. You're going to hear one similar to this from Pastor Max, uh, that we had one Easter. And we had all the kids up there, and, and uh, the past, uh, we, we, I said, kids, I've got a secret. And I'm going to tell one of you the secret, and I want you to pass it on down the line. And here's the secret. Jesus is alive, okay? And sure enough, I told it to one, one young person, one child, and they told it to the next one, and Jesus is alive. It kept spreading down the, the row until finally it got to one little boy. He was four or five, and he's one of these kids that's very confident of himself, okay? And he stood up, and he said, 
in front of, so that everybody could hear him. That's not a secret. Everybody knows that Jesus is alive. <laughs> Wouldn't it be nice if everyone knew that Jesus is alive? Wouldn't it be great if everyone had that kind of life-saving grace relationship with the God who made them and who redeemed them? Well, the secret's out. It's not a secret anymore. Jesus died and rose for us so that we can have life in all of its fullness today and even forevermore. So yeah, some things are secretive. I know there's secrets out there, but this is not one of them. And so my prayer for us is that first of all, this relationship would be stronger. And if you are not having a quiet time with God, now's the time to resolve to do that. If you could just spend five minutes in the morning away from everything else and with the Lord, that it would give clarity to your life and you would know God's grace. Spend time in His Word during that time too. And then ask God to use you and He will. He'll bring people across your way that you will be sent out to where you can make a difference in your family, in your work, in your neighborhood, in your gym, wherever God sends you, God will use you. And so may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ enable you to have that personal relationship with your Father and then empower you to go. Let's go, says Jesus. All right, amen.